their passports have been stamped, their luggage mostly retrieved, and their hunger for adventure and creative nearly satisfied. On this episode of Story First, we're continuing our series on international production and getting an on-the-ground look into the crew's once-in-a-lifetime journey. Welcome to Story First, a podcast dedicated to the ins and outs of content creation. From content planning to commercial productions, we will feature interviews with experts, thought leaders, and successful entrepreneurs to share insights, tips, and experiences in the growing field of content. I'm your host, Jesse Russell, and I appreciate you joining me as we dive into our guest stories and learn from each other's successes and challenges to put story first. Hi, and thanks for joining us on another episode of Story First. Last episode, we kicked off our international production series with Bowstring President and ECD Sean Quinn to discuss the pre-pro process, fixers, and the importance of maintaining creative focus while also focusing on a large logistical production. This week, we are continuing our series and are fortunate enough to have Sean join us from across the pond. Sean, thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule what day are you on and where in the world are you? Well, we are currently in Rome. It is our fourth day here, which is quite a luxury, actually. We've been moving hotels quite frequently during this trip. So we're in day, I believe, 18, uh, country five, um, hotel uh, 13. It, it, it all blurs together a bit. Um, but frankly, the, the production has been going exceedingly well. Um, the crew is has been fantastic. Um, our local uh, fixers and crew in each country have been exemplary um, across the board. So yeah, I mean, apart from kind of the usual vagaries of, of travel and, and production and the two combined, it's been a really successful trip. I'm tired just hearing about all the hotel stops and countries that you visited thus far, but it does sound like such a wonderful experience and chaotic even. Uh, production is a chaotic world where schedules are kind of a roller coaster ride. So what are some of those more creative ways and maybe some unexpected strategies that you guys have been doing to make sure that the crew and the clients and the talent are, you know, staying on track, not getting tired uh, to prevent kind of that wear out from a daily schedule? Yeah, it, it's we knew going into this that this was going to be a, a long trip and the way our our talents schedules aligned um, because we did we do change talents kind of uh, midway through the trip here um, we knew going in there were no scheduled down days um, which um, for any future employees out there that's not our norm <laughs> we don't usually ask folks to work that way but um, it kind of this was just how the stars aligned between their availability the places we need to be, the locations that we needed to gain access to. So we we knew going in that we had to, you know, keep the kind of the crew's welfare kind of top of mind uh, while still achieving, you know, the sheet schedule and the client's goals. So um, the things we've been doing and myself and, and Chad, our, our producers along with me, um, is, you know, we've been we've been trying to pay close attention to to things like length of crew days and, you know, good meals, you know, all the little things you can do to, to make a cruise life easier. I will say, um, you know, our local crews and even our clients actually, um, have been terrific in terms of pitching in a hand to move equipment and, you know, carry sandbags and do whatever needs to get done. 
with the common goal of, of kind of moving through the day as quickly as possible. And that actually helps a lot. I think the, the, the hardest and most underrated part of a trip like this is just the pure physicality of it. Um, we, we managed to time our trip through the, the hottest heat wave in European recorded history, um, which goes back quite a ways. So, um, you know, while that couldn't have been predicted, we knew it was going to be quite warm. Um, and, you know, carrying heavy equipment in and out of old stone buildings and across piazzas and, you know, across pedestrian only zones that more vehicles can't, can't get, uh, it takes a toll. So we do everything we can to just look out to the crew's physical well-being and check in with people. And um, we've even done some things like kind of changing jobs within the crew a little bit. So, you know, if we have a crew that's doing more of the traditional interview setup and then the crew doing uh, more B-roll, we might switch jobs just for variety, but also because it's a different physical load um, between the two jobs. So it it helps the camera department, for instance, uh, stay a little fresher. So it's a kind of an all of the above approach to you know keeping people physically fit, mentally happy, um, engaged. Thankfully, we've had a number of uh, travel days and even some shoot days that have been on the shorter side, which does help. You know, just getting a you know kind of a full. 12 or even 15 or 16 hour turn doesn't make a huge difference and just letting people have that downtime to decompress and and frankly turn off things like interpersonal interactions <laughs> that can be emotionally draining if nothing else so um you know overall again the crew is doing a fantastic job you know we're the we're in the home stretch um and i, I couldn't be prouder of the job that they've done today on productions we always focus on making sure we have sunscreen making sure we're hydrating and taking breaks so I can only imagine how important that is for you guys as you go into these countries with higher heat indexes um, who are experiencing heat waves anyways. And we all know that producing sort of a large project spanning multiple countries and time zones um, can be a very wild ride, it sounds like. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the more nail-biting moments, if there have been any, that you've had to manage while you guys are traveling and trying to understand client logistics, maintain daily schedules while still putting story first and maintaining that creative focus. Yeah. For, you know, for as many international productions as we've done, you, you still learn, you still learn lessons and and make mistakes. And I, I will definitely say we'll own up to a few we've, we've encountered on this trip that hopefully we'll fix going forward. And some of them are simple. Um, vernacular english you know uh, we tend to write emails and um you know even text messages in a certain way and uh we've learned that there's ambiguity sometimes in the way you know the way we phrase things that you know a person who speaks english but may not it's not their obviously not their first language uh, might miss and um and also there are different standards between countries you talked a little bit about that in the first podcast between things like crew days and things like that or um but we even learned, you know, there's there's different standard builds for certain equipment, and that's something we you encounter much in the U.S. or even in you know certain other countries that kind of align to maybe an international or U.S. standard model of production. Um, but that that's that's been this a few times where you know we thought we'd requested one thing from the rental house and something's you know kind of equivalent but slightly different in a key way showed up on set, and it's something you have to roll with and and learn from. And, and you know we've we've learned. Things like just as simple as taking pictures of the gear you want and sending it actually helps a lot versus like trying to untangle the, the you know the trend the correct translation of knuckle versus 
butterfly or numerous other terms we've heard. Um, so that's kind of a simple example, but something that's, that's, uh, it can be really, obviously really important when you get upset and you're not, you don't get exactly the gear you're anticipating and need to pivot. Um, and sometimes a pretty critical way. I love that you mentioned how positive everybody kind of took those hiccups. They took them in stride. I know our bowstring crew, and I can only imagine that the local crew as well kind of has those good attitudes and it is so important to have on any production, but especially a production that is overseas, it has to be immensely, you know, relieving to know that everybody is going to take one of those hiccups and really run with it and make sure that you stay on track. So I love hearing that. And in the last podcast, we touched a little bit on language and cultural differences and how big of an impact they can have. And for you guys going to so many different countries and traveling to them so fast, I imagine that it impacts you a little bit more. So is there anything that you kind of newly discovered as you've been traveling to so many different regions that you didn't necessarily know before or expect? One other thing we, we've certainly noticed, um, especially in some of our warmer countries like uh, Spain or Italy or Turkey, is uh, there is certainly a, a difference in tolerance for um, temperature and things like air conditioning that perhaps Americans take for granted that, you know, all interior structures will be well air conditioned and you know kept at a constant temperature and and vans and, and conveyances the same way um there have been times where i think the crew has felt you know um, a little uncomfortable in in various locales because of that and there's times we can fix that and there's sometimes we can't and that's just part of it um but again it's one of those things where you just have to know going in that's going to be part of the experience another thing that I think we were aware of going in from you know, from personal travel or from from previous experiences is is things like the difference in kind of expected meal times and meal durations. I think we talked about that a bit on the, on the first podcast, um, where especially you know during a during the lunch break, where you know American crews are are very accustomed to an hour, sometimes even thirty minutes, just you know just to keep things moving and keep moving on is. Um, not necessarily the assumption of the local crews who are accustomed to maybe a, a slightly longer break and a few more stops for coffee and things like that. And it's not bad or wrong. It's actually sometimes very welcome. Um, but on those days where, you know, we had days where we shot one city, ate lunch, then traveled an hour and a half to another city and shot for several hours and then had to go to the hotel and go through a long check-in process. You know, we're obviously very interested in like, let's keep it moving. You know, let's, let's, let's grab something and go. And if you haven't preset that expectation with the local crew, um, you're in for a little bit of a, a mismatch of expectations and conflict. So that's something we, again, have to internalize and, and keep in mind and make it very clear, very upfront in a respectful way that this is how we prefer to operate. And if they can accommodate that, that's wonderful. And again, our crews, our local fixers and production teams have been um, very accommodating to any requests you've had on that side. But if you don't ask for it, they don't know. Right, they'll just default to what they'd expect and what they're what how they usually operate, and you know if you get disappointed in that, that's kind of on you because you didn't tell them exactly what you wanted, and that's again that's the biggest lesson we've learned is you have to be very clear, very direct, unambiguous to get what you what you expect and what you need. While we always plan for a perfect production, we talked about it on the last podcast. We put so much into our matrices and trying to make sure that we have every bit of travel planned out and we have contingency plans as much as we can. We know that 
inevitably there's going to be something that happens. So are there any obstacles that you and the crew have had to overcome thus far while on the on the ground? We had a few obstacles, yes. Um, uh, you know, some of the kind of normal variety delayed flights. Um, we had some lost luggage from both our internal crew and the client team that's kind of more frustrating than, you know, than anything else. But obviously, you know, any added stress to a trip like this is unwelcome. Uh, but then we had some some bigger things that that, you know, you hopefully won't encounter. We had a national rail strike in Italy, which uh, canceled uh, a train trip our client was taking. So we had to quickly turn to our fixer to find an alternate mode of transportation for them. Um, we've had a couple of equipment failures, um, you know, one that was more glitchy than a true failure, but left us feeling uneasy. And then one was true failure. Um, but again, in both cases, you know, we didn't lose any production time because our experienced crew was able to pivot and and kind of solve for it in the moment. But then having that really great local fixer team um, who was able to source replacements for both pieces of equipment within the same day, um, really worth its weight in gold, right? Because we would have been fumbling about with Amazon.it and trying to get things shipped somewhere. And it's just, frankly, having that person who knows the rent, local rental houses and camera houses can make calls and negotiate uh, worth its weight in gold, as I said. So, um, and then the biggest, the biggest one we had was, and again, something you can't foresee is uh, we had a, a five hour drive scheduled in the middle of one of our production days. So we had a, a short shoot day in Northern Italy, then a long drive down to kind of uh, Tuscany. Um, and we had a lovely dinner planned and, you know, uh, <laughs> it's always the days where you have the, the, the nicest plans laid in. Um, and one of the, one of the fans actually lost his transmission on the freeway and, uh, the other vans had to circle back and rendezvous and transfer everything to the other van and then go find a rental car and just et cetera, et cetera. And what, what was a five hour drive turned into a nine hour drive and, you know, a, a dinner from a, uh, you know, rest stop on the highway. And it's one of those things that's just, it's kind of part of it. Um, again, I i don't think anybody reacted very negatively to it because they frankly, we all saw it as these things happen. And, you know, the, the team pivoted really rapidly in real time to come up with an alternate solution and find another vehicle and keep us moving so we could be in the next place we were shooting the next day. And it's imperative that we get there and be ready to shoot whatever else happens. And that's, that's exactly what happened. So... Yeah, and while we've had you know a lot of trials and tribulations thus far, and you know, knock on wood, we've got three shoot you know three days left here on our production swing, and hopefully nothing else major crops up. But if it does, again, I'm confident that between our team and our trusted local production resources, we can solve it. Things always seem to pop up when we have something exciting planned, but hopefully your rest stop dinner was just as wonderful as your planned dinner with reservations. And we talked a little bit previously about the record heat, knowing that it was going to be very hot in Europe and probably hotter than you guys expected. Proof fatigue can happen. It's inevitable. We also talked about how strenuous just the places that you're going to can be when you're lugging gear and when you have essentially no rest day. So what are you doing to not only deal with that, but to ensure that there's no major mistakes that are going to happen creatively or technically as a result of that. So we knew this trip was going to be quite hot. You know, we didn't foresee 108 degrees in Rome and it's going to be 104 in Athens. Um, you know, uh, you, you certainly don't hope that's going to be the case, but 
you have to be prepared for it. And I think we were going into it. Um, you know, certainly that starts with just crew preparation and the types of clothing they're packing, um, making sure they're bringing sun protection in terms of hats and we have sunscreen and of course, tons of water and different things on set. Um, we supplied things like cooling towels, which, you know, kind of provide an evaporative cooling method that actually brings your body temperature down quite a bit. Um, but then also we're paying very close attention to sun protection for the equipment. So the types of content we're filming often involve us setting up in the middle of a, you know, plaza or square and standing there for an hour and a half or two hours in direct sun. And so cameras can very much overheat. Um, we found out that sound mixers can overheat. Um, and by the time they're overheating, it's too late. So you need to be thinking about, you know, courtesies for not just the director at the monitor or the crew or the, the client, but frankly, the entire production team as much as you can. And so we've been worrying about that almost as much as, you know, anything else about the actual shot setup, because it's imperative because if you burn out that crew on your first shot of the day, you know, you've got a whole rest of the day to get through. And that's when people, you know, start getting tired and brain fogged and making mistakes. We also very much take breaks. Um, you know, we had one interview set up uh, on the rooftop here in Rome and it was an amazing backdrop with um, St. Peter's dome in the background, but you physically couldn't stand on this rooftop for more than 20 or 30 minutes before we had to go back down a flight of stairs and get in shade and just let your body temperature come down and reset. And I think we were all just feeling a little lethargic and just a little foggy. And you have to be alert to those symptoms and let your body reset. It, it's not a situation where um, you can be just taking the perspective of, we have a 10 hour shoot day and we got to go, go, go and get as much as we can. We certainly want to capture all the content we can to capture and tell the stories we want to tell, but it does us no good if you know, we were running the crew ragged, we're making critical mistakes that lead to issues later in post-production. So we do work with the client who I think is very understanding and, and frankly, it's beneficial that they're they're going they're going through the same travel and everything else with us. So they, they get it, right? They're not they're not watching over a Zoom remotely and not experiencing that heat and you know the the stress that comes from performing under those conditions. So uh, it's been a real team collaborative effort to, you know, make good decisions about um, things like ordering the shoot day. You know, we're very much trying to shoot our exteriors first thing in the morning and then be inside as much as we can in the afternoon. But we found there again, like just because a building is a big thick stone building, you cannot assume it's going to be necessarily cooler inside. Sometimes it may, it might be temperature wise, cool, a bit cooler, but very stagnant and very still. Um, and that could almost be worse sometimes. So we're doing everything we can. Um, sometimes you just can't escape the fact that it's very, very hot and you're going to have to uh, move a little slower, be a little bit more intentional. A lot of what we do to be successful is checking on each other and that's asking about their well-being and how they're feeling and how everything's going. But then asking, asking questions that might seem rudimentary. Hey, are those cards formatted? Have we downloaded everything? Did we get batteries charged? And it's not checking up on people's competence. It's simply just hey, we're all tired and tired people make mistakes and we're all human. So we want to ask those questions, not out of a sense of not trusting people, but just if everyone's back checking each other, there's fewer opportunities for mistakes and that's that's good for everybody. Now, Sean, I asked you on the last episode what you were most looking forward to and you talked about how amazing these locations were. They were bucket list 
locations for probably anybody. But I wanted to check back in now that you're over there, now that you have several of the countries, you know, sort of already gone through and you've done most of the production. Is there any memories that aren't production related that you can kind of walk through that you think are really going to stick with you as you guys wrap up this trip? You know, on this trip, uh, you know, this this might be unrivaled in my experience and that, you know, we're, we're going to so many of kind of the world capitals between Istanbul and London and, you know, the areas around Madrid and Rome and Athens, you know, those are bucket list places for anybody, I think. And, um, you know, even within those, you know, being able to film at some of the most iconic locations um, in Eastern and Western Europe is, is really a, a, a real honor and a dream come true. And, you know, but again, it's not just about the filming, right? It's, you know, the crew, I think to their credit has had a real sense of adventure and a willingness to, you know, even after the, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours of shooting and newer travel, hey, let's go, you know, walk about, which see things. You know, I think we, you know, we had 45 minutes before a dinner reservation in, in Istanbul. We went and saw the Hagia Sophia. No big deal. Just one of the, you know, eight ancient wonders of the world. And you know, it was incredible. And, you know, we didn't spend nearly enough time there to do it justice or, you know, uh, internalize everything that's amazing about its history. But we got to go see it and we got to experience it. And I think that's, you know, things like that are really special. And we had those, I think, in every single country. Um, you know, some were of that scale in the sense of going to Canterbury Cathedral or the Tower of London or, um, you know, St. Peter's here in, in Rome. Um, but there's also smaller moments. You know, we 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 rode a ferry across the Bosporus Strait, um, which, you know, is is probably one of the more iconic, you know, waterways in the world and has so much history, um, you know, surrounding the Constantinople, the fall of Constantinople and, and things like that. So I just all along the way, you know, it's it's been amazing to me. Um, just walking in some of these places and, you know, taking quiet moments to appreciate the journey we're on. And I think in four or five different cities, we've been in Roman ruins, you know, here in Rome, obviously we're, we're quite well, quite literally surrounded by them, but throughout France and Spain and even and, and Turkey, you know, you're, you're seeing that entire arc of history and, you know, that's, that's really cool. And I, I, I don't think any of us take that for granted and, really view that as a, a real perk of being on a trip like this. And I think the other thing that a trip like this brings home is that, you know, while these are, you know, major tourist destinations and really iconic cities, they're also working cities where people live and work and play. And um, we've had a lot of opportunities just to, to walk through neighborhoods and, and see people going about the daily lives. And we really, we really cherish those. And you know, one of our crew members does amazing street photography and seeing the faces he's captured in some of these places um, has been has been a really, a really a treat for me to watch. Um, so follow, follow Rory Peach on Instagram. And um, and then I think one, one other highlight, you know, it's a little bit corny, but I think everybody really appreciated it. We were in London and there's a uh, a gentleman who has started a chain of, of cheesesteak places throughout London called Passyuk Avenue. One of my buddies lived in London and turned me on to it. So we found one location, visited that during our our stay in London. And while perhaps not the most authentic uh, British experience, I think it was a really welcome taste of home. And I think everybody really enjoyed kind of like 
letting their guard down for a minute and, you know, not having to to wonder about what was coming next and kind of, you know, being in a relaxing environment. It, it's so important in a trip like this to to have those moments because um, it, it lets you recharge a little bit and it feels like kind of a mini break within, within the larger uh, endeavor. I love to hear that you guys are taking advantage of the time that you have, though it's kind of short knowing that you have long days and a full production schedule. I think it's so important while you have this opportunity to dive in, walk around, experience the culture past what you're seeing on camera. So I'm so excited that you guys have been able to do that. I've been keeping up with it, you know, on Instagram, kind of watching everybody. And it's been really fun to go on the journey with you guys as you're posting and and reporting back to us. But with shooting coming to an end, what are you looking forward to now that you're going to be back stateside and this project is far from over. Yeah, so we've got uh, four more days here on the ground in, in Europe. Then we're we're jetting off home. Um, I think you know the whole crew obviously is looking forward to um, a, a few days of, of kind of rest and relaxation, and kind of obviously readjusting to uh, the, the time zone and everything else. And certainly, they've earned a break after you know twenty something days on the road. So um, you know we're all going to take that time, but. The post team is going to jump right in. We're coming back with quite a lot of footage and the way this project is structured, we're actually filming quite a bit more of it in studio at our offices in in Pennsylvania in August. And then we've got another international trip to Israel and Egypt scheduled for uh, October. So no rest for the, no rest for the wicked. Um, We will, we will be getting right back into it. And of course, you know, the rest of our our projects and and teams are, 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 haven't stopped. So We'll be kind of coming back up to speed on everything there, but we're, uh, you know, we view this as kind of a, a really strong first step on this project, and you know, we're not we're not going to stop the momentum. You know, we're going to rest and recharge, but we want to really make sure that the the really strong start we've made here on these three weeks, um, you know, kind of keeps going through you know the remaining seven or eight weeks of production we have. Well, I'm excited to continue our series with you. Um, in the crew, Sean, I know that you are probably exhausted. So I'm so thankful you were able to join us and give us a little bit of a sneak peek into what you guys have been experiencing thus far. We're excited to look into the studio side of this project and hopefully jump back in with you and hear more about that once you and the crew have had some time to rest. So thank you again for joining us. um, And I hope that you and the crew have a wonderful rest of the production and are able to get some rest on the plane ride home and take a few days once you get back. Thank you so much for the time, Jesse. And uh, in closing, I, again, I would just love to thank, you know, the entire crew that's been on this journey with us. Uh, Megan, who's been back at our office uh, supporting us from afar. Um, I wouldn't have wanted to go on this journey with anybody else. It's, it's been a truly singular experience in my career. So that wraps us up for this episode of Story First. Join us next time and we are going to check back in with our international travelers once they're back stateside. Thanks and we'll see you soon.